humans, it's your host, Julie B, and this is This Hive Howls, where I attempt to break social stigmas about parenting and mental health by revealing some of my most personal stories, as well as sharing the stories of other parents who feel they don't have a voice or a space to speak out about their struggles. So sit back and relax or tie up your walking shoes, and let's get into this week's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Uh, Welcome back. If you are back here and welcome for the first time, if this is your first episode you're listening to, um, before we get into today's episode, I just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Mom Rage. Mom Rage is all the rage. Are your needs unmet? Is your baby pulling your hair? Has your toddler spilled their cereal and milk for the third time today? Same here. Welcome, Mom Rage. Sometimes you just have to scream into a pillow. (laughs) We are on episode 10, everybody. Episode 10. I'm not quite sure where the time went. I'm not quite sure how... Like the last couple of months have just flown right by and I'm looking at the date and I'm like, there are not that many weekends before Christmas. And I'm already starting to freak out and panic a little bit around how I'm going to plan out Christmas and whether or not I should take a break for like two weeks. So two Thursday episodes, or if I should like hunker down and hustle right now in mid-November before December really takes over my Christmas planning um, and like pre-record a couple of episodes just so that way I'm not kind of running around like a chicken without a head trying to pump out a couple of episodes over the holidays. So um, I've been slacking a lot lately with my uh, blog page. I feel like every time I sit down to write something, my ideas are kind of like stuck at my fingertips if that makes sense. Like they're floating around in my head, but to actually get them down into a format of words that sounds nice or looks nice on a page, um, is, seems to be difficult for me these days. And I'm probably, you know, to blame because part of that is just the creative process of, of coming up with my ideas for the podcast and then, you know, planning them, conceptualizing them, executing them, all of that, has taken a lot of my, I guess, creative energy. So the blog has hit the back burner for a little bit, but I do have some ideas sitting there. And quite honestly, I have like a really long blog that's sitting in my drafts right now around like my traumatic birth experiences with both my my son and my daughter, my firstborn and my secondborn. Um, but it's so, so long. And every time I sit down to try to edit it, I can barely make it through a paragraph without feeling like overwhelmed. So clearly there's a lot of trauma work that needs to be done in therapy before I can maybe put that one out. Um, it might possibly come out as a short mini podcast and I might do a couple of short mini versions and then the whole story will come together in like a part one, part two, part three, just cause there's a lot to unpack there. But Today, I wanted to get into um, the question, why is being a stay-at-home mom so undervalued, but also devalued? There's a difference between being undervalued and devalued, and I want to focus on the stay-at-home mom here, 
Um, I know that there are probably, you know, stay at home dads listening or working dads listening or, you know, just parents in general, stay at home parents or parents who work outside of the home or work inside the home, whoever you are that are listening, just know that the focus today is on the stay at home mom, because that is the perspective I'm able to give. So I have several reasons listed here why stay at home moms are so devalued. Um, a lot of them tend to be societal reasons, um, but I'm going to try to tie them into how they can affect us as individuals and how kind of that affectation uh, upon us actually, you know, changes the way we parent. So not in any particular order, um, but some of the reasons why I think and I have seen in my research, according to my research, um, the reasons why I, f- I find stay-at-home moms are devalued and undervalued. One of them is kind of the moment that we become moms, it is very hard to be seen as anything other than a mom. So obviously we were, you know, daughters first. Um, we were possibly, you know, a sister. We were friends of somebody. Um, we were a family member to somebody. We were a spouse of somebody or a partner of somebody. We are athletes and artists and musicians and bookworms and movie enthusiasts and, you know, people who study ancient history. We are scholars. We are learners. We are all of these things. But it is almost instantaneous that when we become a mom and it starts even at pregnancy, because obviously I was celebrated during Mother's Day while I was pregnant with my first, because at that point you were considered a mother, right? It is hard for people to see us as anything but that. And when I say people, I'm not necessarily pinpointing like our family and our friends and our small social circle around us. I'm saying people in general. And we've seen this a lot on the larger scale with kind of what's happening with government in both my country and the country to the south of me, where it's when you're a mom, you're not valued as the carrier of the the baby. Your life tends to be less valued, right? And um, there was something that I even read the other day that mentioned how... um, a father isn't considered a father until the birth of the child, legally speaking, until the child has been born. But a mom is considered a mom and has all the responsibilities of a mom because she's carrying the child. And yes, to a certain extent, that makes a lot of sense. Like biologically, I carried my kids that are in, in my, my body. I am their mom. But like on a legal standpoint, the person who impregnated me is not considered the father or legally responsible. That doesn't make sense to me. I guess, socially speaking, Um, but we become moms so early on. And of that, our entire outward image to the world is mom. So quote unquote, mom, we are a mom. We take care of the kids. We take care of the house. We take care of the running of the household and making sure that the kids are growing healthy and strong and everything that encompasses being a mom. And once we're seen In that image, like I said, it is hard to be seen as the other forms of ourself. So for me, like I consider myself a creative and an artist. I'm a music enthusiast. I love music. I love sports. You know, I love leisure activities. But when I am a mom, that becomes my primary 
task. And it is expected upon me by everybody else or by society as a whole that momming as a verb is my primary task. And so finding the time to go after my other interests is feels next to impossible, but also it's not valued as much as it should be. I think that obviously in in recent months, I would say, I would go so far as to say months, not quite years yet. I don't think we've reached that far yet. But socially online, I've seen a big push towards moms kind of taking back our identity in that way and really you know, allowing us to take up space in other areas of our lives that don't pertain to being a mom, which is fabulous and beautiful. And I love it, but we don't have the time offered to us or given to us to access those other parts of ourselves. And let's say we did have the time and we did carve out the time and, you know, we, we sorted through all of the mess that is the busyness of the day to day of a stay at home mom or a stay at home parent Carving out that little bit of time means sacrificing something else because yes, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. But for me, like if I want to carve out the extra time to write my blog in the morning or even just to paint, like I have some canvases in my closet behind me and all of my painting gear and I'm, I can set up and paint, but the idea of waking up an extra half an hour early to quote unquote, carve out the time and make the time to do that hobby it's draining to me because I'm so exhausted from everything else that is placed upon my shoulders and my responsibility as a stay-at-home mom that I would rather just sleep for the extra 30 minutes. Like sleep becomes my hobby. It's really unfortunate to say, but it is kind of the truth at this moment in time for me. And that ties directly into kind of the second point that I want to make is that there's no real emphasis on mom care and really only an emphasis on family care. Um, And by mom care, that's what I mean, like caring for the other parts of myself or yourself that, you know, help you identify as a whole human being that isn't just mom. So if the burden is upon the stay-at-home parent and the stay-at-home mom to run the whole household, we already know that that's a full-time job. And it's not a, oh, at nine o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning, I clock in to being a stay-at-home mom and I start running the household. And at 5.30 p.m., I clock out of being a stay-at-home mom and I stop running the household. We know that's not how it works, okay? And um, I know that a lot of people listening are probably um, people who do extra work. So my mom was technically a stay-at-home mom, but I grew up on a farm. And so my mom also worked full-time on a farm. And for all the farmers out there listening, you know that the farming schedule is not 24-7. It is somehow 28-8. It is somehow the work on a farm feels like you're working 28 hours in a 24-hour period, and it's not seven days in a week. There's somehow eight days in a week. And, you know, by the... What what is that saying? It's like by 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, the farmer's already put in a, an 80-hour work week and has to continue working for the rest of the week. That's how it feels. So we have a burden upon us. And though I am not, you know, working on the farm like my mom did, 
there is a lot of managing that goes into being a stay-at-home parent. And it it happens from the moment we wake up at sometimes 4am to the moment we really go to sleep. So I'm currently recording this podcast. It is 9pm. All right. I generally pump around 10pm. So the baby is asleep. The toddler is not asleep. My job as a mom as a stay-at-home mom running this household, is not yet done. I am simply choosing to carve out this time to record this podcast and select this time slot in my day to do this thing that I like, but I'm doing it at the sacrifice of something else. So like, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to get my toddler ready for bed. Don't worry. He had a super late nap. All right. So he will go to bed and he'll be fine, but I'll get him ready for bed. And by the time he's done bed, It'll probably be after 10 o'clock, but I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to put away the leftovers from supper. I'm going to finish eating my supper, which I could not finish because I needed to put the baby to sleep. And all of this to say that the emphasis for us is on caring for the family and the household. So there's there's a little bit of a double-edged sword here that just kind of popped into my head, which was... We know that stay-at-home parenting is extremely difficult because the work feels like it never ends. We also are trying to advocate for the acknowledgement that being a stay-at-home parent is a full-time job. And yet, it is very hard to advocate for that at the same time as we complain about how much of a burden it is to really be a stay-at-home parent. Because I feel like there's a little bit of a rhetoric here that gets kicked back at us, which I have seen online a lot. And the rhetoric is very much like, well, if it is a full-time job, then, you know, just clock in and clock out at those working hours. But even my husband, who works the typical nine to five, in the morning, he is parenting. Then he clocks in, he works, and then he clocks out. In the evening, he is being a parent right? He is not a stay-at-home parent. There are not expectations placed upon him um, by society that he has to live up to some form of standard, right? Um, But for stay-at-home moms, and that's why I'm talking about moms specifically, there is a standard that we are held to. And unfortunately, even if we're not told it to our face, it's a standard that has been internalized in us from a very young age that for our mental health, which I will get into a little later, it it's very detrimental to constantly feel like you're not living up to the standards that society has placed there for you. And one of the greatest kind of quotes or, or audio clips that I have in my head is the phrase when, when people say like, oh, well, don't forget to sleep when the baby sleeps. Right. And it's like, okay, well, I, I did that with my first because we lived in a small condo and there wasn't a lot of housework to do. There wasn't a lot of like paper management to do to run the house. There weren't things that I really needed to look after when I was on maternity, maternity leave. And then later on when I did go back to work. Right. But with my second, I can't sleep when the baby sleeps. And the funny, the funny reel that I actually saw the other day was hilarious to me. It was like, well, don't forget to sleep when the baby sleeps, but also shower when the baby showers and do the laundry when the baby does the laundry and do the dishes when the baby does the dishes and, um, and cook the supper, you know, when the baby is cooking supper. 
And it's like this hilarity contrast that like, yeah, we would love to sleep when the baby sleeps, but then when do the dishes get done? When does the groceries get done? When do the meal planning get done? When do we get to call the vet and call the garage to get the car oil changed? When do I get to book the dentist appointments? Like, when do I get to go for a walk and listen to a podcast on my own? When do I get to paint, right? When do I get to sit and listen to my new favorite artist's album that just came out from beginning to end? Because that used to be something I would do. When do I get to do those things? When do we get to do those things? Oh, just carve it out. Make the time. Make the time. Okay, well, add an extra four hours to my day and maybe we'll make the time. Obviously, I have some deep-rooted feelings about that, but on top of feeling angry around this subject of not being able to give the time back to ourselves or have it be given to us so we can cater to those other parts of ourselves. We then do feel guilty. Unfortunately, mom guilt is there. And it's when we put our needs first, that's when we feel guilty. Because it is so ingrained, like I said from the beginning, that if you're going to be a mom, then your family comes first. And so when I do sit down and take a moment and put my earbuds in and listen to that album from beginning to end, I'm also sitting there in like absolute guilt to the bottom of my stomach. And I'm thinking like, I am taking away time from my family. And that's how I feel right now. I'm recording this episode. I love doing these episodes. I love recording this podcast, but I was just downstairs making sure my son was okay as I came up here and I said I would be down in 20 minutes and then we would get ready for bed. Well, this is the problem. As I was walking past him and I rubbed his hair just tussled his hair and told him I would be back soon. I thought to myself, maybe I shouldn't go upstairs because I should enjoy him while he's young. I should get on that couch, cuddle under the blanket with him and watch Sonic the Hedgehog. That's what I should do. And you know, part of me is like, press pause, stop recording and go downstairs and do that. And another part of me is saying, you need to give into your own cup to fulfill your needs, Julie. And, you know, when we do get away and we do get to fill our needs, there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of guilt. So if you're feeling the same way, take three deep breaths with me and try to actually recognize where those feelings are sitting in your body. Close your eyes and visually try and get them to leave your body. Three deep breaths. One, two, three. I hope that helps. Next on the kind of the list of why moms are underappreciated or stay-at-home moms are seen as not valuable is that a lot of the time money is considered more valuable than time. And this could be the case for a lot of different factors. Also on the flip side, time could be more valuable than money. And it depends on what you're thinking of. So for me, you know, I want some bedside tables for my guest room. Well, I'm on a tight budget. So I'm looking at Facebook marketplace and I want to get something cheap that I can maybe make over. Part of me is saying that money in this case is more important than time and that I can DIY it. Um, And I would rather 
spend cheap DIY and spend my time to make something that I like. Another part of me is also saying, honey, you ain't got no time left. Those bedside tables are going to come into your house and sit in that garage. And when the heck are you going to find the time to sand them, strip them, repaint them, do whatever it is you want? Because your time is so valuable elsewhere that you may as well just spend the money. So to turn this into the stay-at-home mom debacle, it's if money is more valuable than time, then the person who works outside of the home or, you know, who works remotely from home and brings home the paycheck in the relationship, and I'm talking about a couples here, like, you know, two people in a home with kids. I'm not talking about single parents. That person who brings home the paycheck is more valuable to society and in society's eyes than the person at home not bringing home a paycheck. Because obviously we live in an economy and we live in a capitalist society and you need to have money to pay for it. We tell our son that all the time. Hey, Bubba's daddy's got to go to work because he's got to make money. You know, when we go to the shopping store and we buy our milk and we buy our raspberries and you help us pay for it at the cash, that's what we got to do. We go to work to get our money so we can pay for it. And because we live in that capitalist society, money is more valuable. So my time at home is not valued in the other people's eyes. And because my time isn't valued, you're not going to see my job as the nine to five. And you're not going to notice that stay at home parents do a real job. You know, we're just doing the job of several other people. And I've actually gotten a couple of comments recently on my social media posts about like, if it's so hard, then just go back to work and hire somebody to watch your kids. And it's like, What kind of double income household do you have to be to, in this world, really, to own a house and afford childcare in the same capacity that I do as a stay-at-home parent every single day? What are the jobs of those two parents bringing home a paycheck to afford a nanny who is available to watch both kids from, let's say, six in the morning till about eight or nine in the morning when they go off to daycare or school or however old your kids are, wherever they're going, right? And then the nanny goes away, but then you've got the cleaning lady that comes to the house. And then after the cleaning lady is done, you've got the meal prep person that comes to the house and preps the meals, or maybe you're, you know, purchasing a meal delivery service. Um, and then after they come and go, maybe you have somebody that comes and watch, watches the dog and walks the dogs. Now you've got a dog walker, if that's the case that you have. And then come the evening, you might have somebody in the evening who has to come. The nanny comes back, or maybe you have an au pair that lives in with you. Like there's a lot of people involved in caring for the house. And guess what? Stay at home moms and stay at home parents do it as one individual. And yes, we're not bringing in a paycheck. And yes, there is some guilt that surrounds me specifically, the guilt on spending my husband's money. But that's where communication is key in the relationship. It's very much like we have to understand that this is our money. And though he works the job that brings in the paycheck, I'm very fortunate to have a partner who sees my time as valuable. It's just unfortunate that, you know, the general public doesn't view it that way. And when the general public doesn't view it that way, it's very easy for the rhetoric of 
your time is not valuable. Being a stay-at-home mom or parent is not valuable. And that translates into your worth is not valuable. So it's like if my time and all of the work and effort that I'm putting into running this household and raising these kids and keeping kind of, you know, this whole ship afloat isn't valued in society's eyes. Well, here's where we hear the rhetoric. We hear it in the news, right? On, on major news things that happen where, you know, maybe there's a couple's quarrel, right? We also hear it through our government and the things that government officials say around different policies regarding education and housing and even the environment, the subtextual messaging from the news, from the politicians, from random people on Twitter, from people in our own social circles, that message is, is reverberating the idea that like, our time isn't valuable, what we're doing isn't a real job, and there go, we're not really worthy of the respect and the freedoms to, you know, pursue our own self-interests, and we're not worthy of the respect of other people to give us resources that would help us actually run households a little better and possibly allow us to go back to the workforce if that's something you desire to do. And if it's not something you desire to do, at the very least, you know, all of the moms that I know would love to have an extra hand around the house, right? Like we do so much already. We carry the load and the burden already. I feel like I do a pretty good job of it, but I would love to have somebody to come over even twice a week to show up around two in the afternoon and stay till, I don't know, maybe five or six. And like, I would even cook this person supper and have them stay over, but just to be there to either play with the kids or hang out with the kids so I can do other housework or so they could do other housework so that way I can actually enjoy my kids during that period of time and then not feel guilty about it. And on that note, it's kind of the last little tidbit I have here on why we're so devalued is that unfortunately, we don't want to hear this and we don't want to admit it, but society is built on the backs of unpaid labor. And a stay-at-home mom is an unpaid laborer. Ooh, it's a heavy thought, I know. When I wrote it down, that idea came to my head and I wrote it down and it, it saddens me, right? We know that very low-paid labor work is what keeps society going. It is not the, you know, supercharged paid lawyers and CEOs and for the most part, you know, medium paid doctors and the very mediocre paid nurses who need to get paid more. Everybody obviously needs to get paid more. The living wage needs to be higher. Let's agree on that. But the devalued labor and the labor that is paid, you know, scant salaries, and especially the unpaid labor, those are the people really holding up society. They are the foundational building blocks of what keeps this wheel turning. And, you know, I, I just kind of mentioned it all of the points earlier, which is if I am not at home to do this work, and I am elsewhere working full time to bring in a second paycheck to this house, 
my entire paycheck basically goes to paying for other people to do all the jobs that I'm doing at home anyway. So my unpaid labor keeps this house rolling. And by keeping this house going, I am contributing children to the community. I am raising people who will continue on with humanity, right? Like we need to breed and keep creating humans if we want the human race to keep going. So really without stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home parents, people who are there who are not taking money in and are doing these things for basically free, right? Other than maybe the love and affection of our partners. Um, And unless you've communicated clearly with your partner that like, hey, we have a shared account or let's share this money so I can spend it on, you know, doing things for myself, like unless you've done that, then we are doing this work for free. So without us, who do we turn to? Where do we go? Where are the resources given to us? Um, Where is the help, right? I talked about it in, in the village episode. And that's why I think we're so undervalued because it is clear that we are doing this for free. Like it is a glaring red flag of the whole definition of being undervalued. With all of that being said, there is a change happening like socially. I do see it. And I hope that I can be a part of that change. So that way the work that we do is more valued by society as a whole. I know that in smaller social groups, like stay at home parents are very valued. And all of my friends that I know see the value and worth in the work that I'm doing or in the work that like stay at home parents are doing. So there is a change in smaller social circles, but until we can kind of change the rhetoric at the higher level and in the more gross level, so in the news and by the politics, um, and we see policy change and services changing to benefit us in the work that we are doing, that I think we have a long way to go. Um, with that being said, that's it for today's episode. Don't forget that I have a Facebook page, This Hive Howells Podcast. I post over there. Uh, updates on when new episodes are going to be coming out and follow me on Instagram at this.hive. Have a great week and drink some water. If you've liked what you've heard today, don't forget to subscribe and follow. Also head on over to my blog page and give me a follow there. And for more silly and serious mom content and life updates, spot me on Instagram at this.hive. All the links are in the episode description. Till next time.